This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I had to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horseman to the inside. He's got Max Dambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horseman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Going with Chris Trevor, the Hills Racing 47 Knot. This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. <clears throat> wake up, wake up! It's post-Winchester 400 edition of uh, Horsepower Happenings. Holy smokes, we're here. We've made it. And we got a great interview coming up for you tonight. We'll talk to the man himself, two-time Winchester 400 champion Stephen Nassi joins the show. But first, let's take a look at what's happening in a Motor City Minute. NASCAR in Las Vegas, where a lot of things happened, including Kurt Busch announcing his official retirement from the NASCAR Cup Series. He's going to be scaling back. Uh, maybe we see him a little bit next year if he can get his health in line. But uh, he's done with full-time Cup Series competition. Then on Sunday, Joey Logano punched his ticket into the round of four by winning at Las Vegas Motor Speedway after a, an eventful weekend. We'll talk more about that coming up. And how about Josh Berry, the uh, former late model stock superstar? He punched his ticket to the next round of the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs after winning at Las Vegas, beating out Noah Gregson and Justin Allgaier. All right, craziness that happened at Las Vegas. Bubba Wallace has issued an apology after he and Kyle Larson got together on the front stretch coming out of turn number four. Uh, This is what I saw. It looked like Larson ran him high, Bubba got in the wall, and then Bubba just right hooked Kyle Larson down the front stretch, spun him up in the outside wall. Then Bubba walks down the front stretch. Little uh, patty cake happens, because remember, Kyle Larson is on probation through next year, so he can't exactly pull back with a right hook of his own. Uh, So Bubba Wallace has issued an apology. Same stuff, different day. You got in trouble. Now you have to issue an apology. We'll talk more about that. Probably get Rich Francis' opinion coming up here on Horsepower Happenings. And uh, one last thing from the dirt sprint car world, an 81 race drought dating back to September of 2021 comes to an end for James McFadden. Came through in the clutch and found his way back to victory lane in Saturday's Lakeside Speedway Showdown, presented by Micro Light. Uh, that is a World of Outlaws drought of 81 races. He has uh, now finally made it back to victory lane. A sigh of relief for that driver. So there you go. That's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. Are you refreshed? Are you doing okay? How are you, how are you holding up? 82,460 steps yesterday, Zach, wow. on pit road. Wow. Wow. The, yeah, these legs, these dogs are tired. <laughs> uh, yes, the dogs are barking, my friend. My goodness. Good job by you yesterday, by the way. All the, uh, You know, it, if it would have been a normal race, it wouldn't have been bad. You know, I mean, we had in the past, we've had a lot of competition cautions, a lot of green flag runs, and these guys from – 15 laps in, just wanted to start packing them in. Wow. And, I, and yeah, unbelievable. 
Yeah, I want to talk to you about some of the things we saw yesterday. First and foremost, let's talk NASCAR real quick. Bubba Wallace, Kyle Larson, did you see it? Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, I saw the replay. I've seen I've seen drivers give other drivers a lot less room on the outside yeah, in a situation yeah, like yep. that. Um, I think Bubba Wallace probably panicked a little bit, and when he turned right, put himself in the wall, and then why not make the other guy the scapegoat? And uh, pretty intense because because Bubba Wallace never does anything wrong. We already know that, right? That's right. Now here's the thing. I'm not I'm not coming right out as a Bubba Wallace fan. I'm not coming right out as a Bubba Wallace hater. But here's what I'm going to say. His his uh, his attitude gets the best of him quite a bit. I'm okay. You know what? You want to fight? I said this last week. You want to fight? Fight on my front stretch. I'll give you extra hundred dollars. Fight in my pitch. You're barred for life. I very much am uh, a fan of that philosophy. Fine, whatever. You got a problem with Kyle Larson, you know, but shove him around on pit lane after the race is over. What I don't like, especially in today's climate of NASCAR where these Cup Series cars are not safe, I'm going to say it, they're not safe. We've had three concussions this season in these new cars and other people saying how big of a hit they are. What I'm not here for is the, the right hook down the front stretch. And what I mean is Bubba Wallace came down the track hit Kyle Larson in the right rear fender, sent him all the way back up across the, the front stretch, clipped Christopher Bell, and then hit the outside wall. Uh, I'm not here for that. In the safest of race cars, I'm not here for that. And especially in today's climate, I'm not here for that. Uh, so that's that's where I have the problem with what happened. And, and what I had read was that, that he had stated that he lost steering. Well, did your brakes quit too? Yeah, because that car because definitely picked up speed. He, he was motoring. Yeah. You know, when he, when he dropped down to – to clip Larson, he was still full in the gas. Yeah. So let him say what he wants. I, I think Kyle Larson absolutely did the right thing. He wanted no part of it. He was not going to stand down there and, and look like a fool himself. And, um, and so I, I think he did the right thing. And Bubba Pollard, Bubba Wallace is the one that uh, ends up issuing, <laughs> yeah. issuing the apology. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some things happening across the country, Rich. Uh, kind of our Dirt Late Model connection for, for this week. What do we got going on? Well, Zach, history was made on Saturday night at Portsmouth Raceway Park as 19-year-old Garrett Smith picked up the biggest win of his young career in the 42nd Annual General Tire Dirt Track World Championship for the Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series. Smith, who collected a cool 100 grand is now the youngest driver ever to win the Crown Jewel event. Tim McCready and Mike Marler would complete the podium. And uh, one of the other few things we had going around here is that Kalamazoo clash uh, took Wait, place this weekend. What what clash? Uh, Kokomo. There you go. <laughs> Kokomo. I should have came at home from Winchester two days ago. That's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> the Kokomo clash took place over the weekend. Uh, Friday, non-wing sprints winner was Robert Ballou. Uh, 305 wing sprints, Rod Henning. And then Mother Nature got involved on Friday night, and the sportsmen and the Thunder cars, cars were not able to run. Then they went to Saturday. James Walters picked up the late model win. Uh, Dylan Nussbaum picked up another, Zach, another feature win yes. in 2022 in the Modifieds. Uh, Braden Keller took the street stocks, and Chris Hillman Jr., Grab the Hornet feature win. I, I got to tell you, I had so much fun at the Winchester 400. I had a great time. I am really praying to the gods above, to the God above, that next year 
they don't fall on the same weekend because i got to get back to the Kokomo Clash. And, Rich, if you've never been to the Kokomo Clash, we're going to pack a cooler, we're going to grab your camper, and we're going to go because it is a fun event and some of the great greatest racing you'll ever see. I did go. I was there the year Travis Stemmler won. Did you go? Okay, good. Yes. Good, good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a lot of fun. All right, uh, let's talk about some other things happening in and around our area. Big news coming out of the... Really, do you call it pavement racing? Do you call it racing in general scene? Um, this happened yesterday, just after noon. It was announced that at the conclusion of the 2022 race season, Andrew Scheid and Cadillac West Racing have mutually decided to part ways. Uh, Mike Blackmer, of course, with uh, Cadillac West Racing, helped put Andrew Scheid on the map right from uh, the Lightning Sprint days through the Great Lakes Super Sprints and now through his pavement late model racing career. Uh, in a statement put on Facebook, Andrew Scheid Racing says, quote, we want to thank Mike for all he has done for Andrew's racing career the last seven years and wish him nothing but the best in his future endeavors. They went on to say, quote, we also want to thank all of our marketing partners that have made this all possible throughout the years. We love all of you. They have become more than just sponsor dollars, but true friends. And that's where the release ends. So now we wonder, big question marks about the future of Andrew Scheid and the future of uh, Cadillac West Racing. We know that Mike has been a car owner in the past for some other names that we uh, recognize. Is uh, Mr. Blackmere going to give up on the car ownership side of things, and is Andrew Scheid's racing career going to stall out or pick up? We don't know. I don't I don't know what Mike's going to do. I don't. You don't know what Mike's going to do from week to week That's on the right. racetrack, David. You know, but... Um... I think Andrew, I think Andrew and his dad still have a sprint car. So it would not surprise me for them to run their own sprint car next year, maybe Great Lakes Super Sprint, Zach. I mean, that's just a guess. I don't I don't know that they even own a pavement a pavement car. Right. Themselves. So that if I was going to go in a certain direction, that's what I would guess. Yeah, it's intriguing to me. You know, Andrew finally punched his ticket a couple of times to Victory Lane at Berlin Raceway this season. Uh, they struggled the first two seasons. Well, and I don't even know struggle. They ran really well with the Jeg side of things. The just results weren't there. They had good speed. Um, so I thought Andrew was coming in his own on, on the pavement side of things. I think that's kind of where they thought they wanted to be to, to further his career. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss. I was surprised to read it. I just don't know what's next now for Andrew Scheid. We might have to try to track that down and figure out what they got going on. Yeah, we'll probably have to wait. What I and also while we're on the good news stuff, the or bad news stuff, um, I, I told you I did hear today that uh, Devin Moran and Ty Torres right. Racing uh, after 2022 they're splitting. So Devin Moran out of that nine machine, uh, where's he going to go? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see that pro that. I would not think that he would get out of a ride and not have an idea of where he was going or what he was going to do. Um, I think you have to go in order and make the announcements first. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> then all of a sudden, a month from now um, or weeks from now, you'll hear where, where Devin Moran's going to be for 2023. That's right. And so uh, we look to see where everybody will end up. Silly season has started in October. We're in the middle of October and silly season is already underway. All right, let's talk about Winchester weekend, Rich. Uh, it all started on Friday uh, with the Jags CRA All-Stars Tour and the Jags 100. William Sawalich went to victory lane in the race, a race that I thought Chase Berta was going to win, but uh, unfortunately the tires went away. He made some contact with uh, Giov Giovanni 
and Gio Ruggiero. Giovanni Ruggiero. And uh, they made some contact going into one. Berta in the wall. They managed to come back around and finish in the second spot behind William Swalich. And how about Dakota Stroop? How about this race for the Jags championship on Friday, Rich? Three different times we didn't know who it was going to be. I don't think either one of them wanted to win it. That's, that's what it seemed like. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, Nick Egan had problems on and off all night long. Um, late in the race, Dakota Stroop gets a flat tire. Right. And it's like, golly gee, you know, and, and really once they went back to green for, for, the, for that last sprint, um, it was pretty evident. Dakota Stroop in that 47 machine had the better car, the faster car. Um, but for a while it was, I don't. I wonder if they were just going to say we're not going to have one this year because neither one of these guys wants to win it. That's right. Um, it was just. It was when one thing happened to one guy and then something happened to the other guy and then back and forth, back and forth. But uh, congrats to Dakota Stroop. Um, he had a great season and he's your 2022 champion. All right, CRA Street Stocks, Jason Atkinson wins the race. He's crowned the champion once again. CRA Late Model Sportsman, J.P. Crabtree, dominating fashion. The birthday boy gets the win. And then how about the Michigan kid, Keegan Sabilo, picking up the championship for the CRA Late Model Sportsman. Uh, this is a, a freckle-faced, braces, like 14-year-old kid, uh, and he's a Late Model Sportsman champion, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that kid's got a future, I think. Uh, keep an eye on that young man. Um, he did an excellent job, uh, kept that car clean all night, and uh, and walks away with the walks away with the championship. And I believe rookie of the year as well, Zach. Yes. It, yep. It, yep. In in a CRE late model sportsman. So uh, keep an eye on that young man. Wild race on Saturday for the Midwest Modifieds Tour run for the Gun Fifty. Cody Stickler survives to win the race. Walt Obrinsky Jr crowned your champion uh that was a wild 50 laps for the midwest modifieds tour and you, you really didn't know who was going to win there until about the final 10 laps after a big crash in turn three kind of reset the stage it, it it was just a different winchester this year wasn't it zach i mean it was in the first 10 laps um you know griffin comes down the front stretch and just buries that 95 machine in the wall and just tore it to pieces they were just tearing race cars up all weekend long. And I don't understand what it was. Um, so there were, there was a lot of attrition and I'll tell you on this Monday night, I wish I was a parts dealer because <laughs> I would be on the phone all day. Yeah. Making some money. Yeah. And then of course, uh, Sunday Winchester 400, the big race of the day, the, uh, winner of the race, Steven Nassi after a dramatic 400 laps that saw seven, eight official lead changes throughout the day. Uh, he gets the race win. Eddie Van Meter, uh, not a great day as far as racing concerns go, but uh, a crash early in that event between Billy Van Meter and Albert Francis Jr. leaves Eddie as the lone soldier to bring home the ARCA CRA Super Series Championship. Yeah, and I think what uh, you know, we'll talk to we'll, we'll talk to Stephen Nassie here in a minute. But I think what really helped him was he had a flat tire and he didn't think it was good at, a at the time. Um, but I think putting that right rear tire on that late really helped him uh, because all all Jake Garcia had was two left side tires to throw on and they weren't brand new. So I don't think Jake Garcia had the best set of shoes on at the wrong t at the right time. Uh, and I think Stephen Nassie did. And how about that race, too? You mentioned it was not the Winchester that we had got accustomed to. Um, you know, that that was a pretty. That was a pretty dramatic, a uh, lot of attrition in that race, too. We tore a lot of stuff up on Sunday. Yeah, a lot of emotion. People getting emotional down on pit road. Albert Francis was not a happy camper. Um, 
after what happened with Billy Van Meter. Um, Chandler Smith definitely wasn't in best of moods. No. <laughs> uh, after, after what happened after, after the incident or non-incident or whatever you want to call it with Jake Garcia. So, uh, yeah, there were some emotions running wild uh, on Sunday. So, Zach, we saw some great racing action over the weekend at Winchester. And uh, on the phone line now, gentlemen, I got to talk to a couple times. I think he was a lot happier to talk to me the second time than the first time we talked. Uh, picked up his second Winchester 400 win yesterday afternoon at the Winchester Speedway. Uh, makes his home in Pinellas Park, Florida. Stephen Nassi, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey there. Yeah, th thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's always good to come back on these circumstances. Man, tell, tell me, um, this was a lot different circumstances than your first win a few years ago. And I don't know, at 50 laps to go, you knew you were going to win that race. Yeah, uh, definitely wasn't as uh, clear cut as, um, as you know, 20, 2019 there. But, um, you know, I knew that I had a good car and just uh, had, to, had to be smart there and, and just uh, bide my time to get around uh, Garcia um, and, you know, just kind of wait for him to slip up and, and be able to make a move without wearing my stuff out too much. And uh, just ultimately, that's, uh, that's what happened. Obviously, everybody, you know, watching anybody who watches you race, you know, you, you, you can be aggressive at times when you need to be. And I thought that was the key part of the race. It was probably the best battle of the race, and it was at the right time. But you tried, Jake, you tried him, and you were patient and patient until you finally had the opportunity to get by him. And I thought that was huge. Trust me, it was uh, definitely frustrating in the car. But um, at the same time, you just got to have it in your head that, uh, you know, I knew I had quite a bit of laps left. And I felt like I had a car that wasn't going to quite fall off that much. So uh, I was just hoping if I would keep pressure on him and maybe have him looking in the mirror a little bit, um, get, get the slip in the slide and then, uh, maybe make a mistake. And that's when I could slip by it. I mean, they had a, they had a great car as well. Um, but I knew if I could get in front of them, uh, I'd be able to pull away. So I just need to find the right time to, to pass them and not, um, abuse my right front too much. Cause it's just so hard to make a pass there on the bottom. Um, it really has to be the right setup. So I tried, you know, four or five, six times, um, setting them up, but just had to really wait for that, that ideal moment. You talk about it being hard to pass on the inside. My goodness, uh, you had that middle part of the race there, maybe later three-quarters of the race. Um, I don't know if it was just the way that the strategy fell, that you guys were on different tires, uh, you know, on better tires at that time. But, man, there was a point in that race where you could cut under just about anybody on the bottom of the racetrack. That 51 machine looked good on a line around Winchester Speedway that usually is not the place you want to be. Yeah, and, um, you know, I've I've been to over, uh, you know, 10 Winchester 400s in, in my career. And um, I would say, you know, the first few ones, the line around the track was, you know, all the way against the wall on the outside. Uh, but over the last, you know, five, six, seven years, uh, it's moved down further and further, especially if you want to pass somebody. <clears throat> but now about making fast laps, you can make those on the top, but, it's everybody else is running the top. You got to try to make something else work. So, um, you know, I, that's where I practice. Uh, that's where I'm most comfortable. And, uh, I feel like just being able to run down there all day and practice, uh, it shows in the race when we're able to, um, turn out and meet some of those guys. Um, you know, the weekend, it wasn't a, 
all easy sailing uh, by any means. You know, we had the three classes I was running, um, the pro, modified, and, and super. Uh, the pro and modified had terrible luck, and um, the super, we just really struggled with setup all weekend. Um, and we were just thrashing, throwing, throwing everything we knew to, to throw at it, um, trying to get the car to be uh, better. We just were so tight all the way to the corner all, all weekend. And then after the last practice, you know, just before qualifying, I told the guys, I was like, man, something is, something's bent, something, something's just wrong. Because uh, whatever we're doing, it's not changing the car whatsoever. And, um, you know, this part in the center of the corner. So we went overhaul and, you know, went through everything and actually found out that we had, you know, a bent left front spindle, we think, wow. and had the rear end um, moved over to the left a little bit too much. And that that stuff right there will, will kill you, especially at a place like um, like Winchester. And so we really had no idea. Um, it was after qualifying was when we actually got to go through the car and, and do all of that. So coming into the race, we didn't know if it was going to be better or worse or what. And, um, it fired off like a rocket ship, like you said, and I, you know, I was able to make passes underneath people that, you know, a lot of cars couldn't make. So, uh, it just says a lot about what, what, uh, what the jet motorsports team and, and my guys were able to do, um, you know, when we're, when we're under pressure and we pulled, uh, excuse me, we pulled through on this one. So, I want to it go, was uh, pretty awesome. I want to go back to you running side-by-side side with Jake. Uh, you know, as Rich said, now earlier in the in the race, much earlier in the race, there was an incident on the front straightaway. You were dealing with your own circumstances at that time uh, when he and Chandler Smith got together on the front stretch. Um, but I'm sure that your crew saw that. I also do want to talk about your circumstances at that point, too. But I guess, first of all, you know, your spotter, your crew, I'm sure they saw what took place on the front stretch. Uh, you know, we in the booth couldn't really place any blame. We thought, if anything, Jake maybe half a groove lower off the wall than he had been running, and Chandler wasn't expecting it. They make contact, and Chandler spins and wrecks on the front stretch. Are you aware of that? Are you keeping that in your mind that, you know, Chandler, that uh, Jake may try to squeeze you as you're trying to get under him at all? Um, no, I wasn't, wasn't aware of that, uh, actually. You know, when all that had happened, we had that tire um, going down. Um, you know, the tire went down coming out of two for me. Well, I saved the car and, and I was going, you know, on the bottom straight on the apron. Well, I got to thinking because we're still under green. I'm like, well, shoot, if I come down pit road here, I'm going to lose. I'm yeah. done. I'm, there's no way, I, you know, I'm, I'm screwed. And, you know, I know they will uh, penalize you, you know, for um, spinning out to bring the caution. But I think it's a two lap penalty. Yeah, two laps is better so than I six under green, right? That's right. So I went into turn three, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to spin this thing out because I was riding on the rim. It wasn't going to be hard. And, um, you know, went down in there and just looped the car around. And I'm talking, I mean, right as I started the loop around, I seen the caution lights come <laughs> on. And I was like, shoot. <laughs> yeah. And then I was stuck on the racetrack <laughs> on the bank in there. And, um, yeah, so that was kind of a, a crazy, hectic moment. And then with the transponder falling off and thinking I'm four laps down and I was only one, and yeah. it, was just a, it was a crazy moment. Um, and to be able to come back from it, uh, like I said, says a lot about them. But uh, to answer your question, you know, I didn't, I didn't see that. Um, I was, I was thinking about how many laps I was going to be losing, and you know, trying to get the caution to come out so we at least had a chance. Because you know, I know you can come back from two, three laps down, but you know, once you get over that four or five, you know, six laps, it gets tough to overcome. 
Stephen, I, I was running down pit road during the whole race and talk to me about these tires. You were not the only one that had tire issues. And I think by the lot, I think by the lap 290 caution, there weren't a lot of extra tires to be had in the pit area. Um, everybody had really used their, was that track eating up tires unusually more than it usually does? It was, it was actually very, um, uh, very strange because, you know, um, last year was probably like the worst uh situation we had had with the tires and we actually had tires that were just absolutely coming apart i mean uh 90 percent of us out there the steering wheel was shaking violently all the way down the straightaway i mean i i'll tell you i don't usually get nervous in a race car uh you know especially in a super just because I'm, I'm so comfortable in one i've just been in it for so long it just feels normal to me but uh, last year, with the way those tires were coming apart and the wheels were shaking so violently, making the whole car vibrate, it was it was some of the sketchiest laps around Winchester I'd ever run. So this year, um, there was still the tire issue, but to be honest, it wasn't it wasn't something that gave you a warning necessarily. I mean, you would get just a little bit of that that feel that you could feel it's coming down, but it wasn't something that, that had a violent shake throughout the car or really gave like a crazy warning. That's why you just seen uh, cars get into a lot of trouble from it. You know, I think that the, uh, you know, van meter, uh, you know, 23, and I don't know if he ended up blowing right front. It kind of looked like that in the replay when he got into it with the 33 and all them. Um, and I know quite a few people blew, blew tires. I had two go myself, but it wasn't something that gave you a warning. Um, so that was the hardest part of it. Uh, you know, we just got very fortunate on where, we had our problems and it didn't end up with a wrecked race car because, um, you know, I've been on that side of it too and it could have easily um, went that way. Yeah, you talk about tires, uh, Chase Berta, uh, Kyle Crump on that one restart was a big one, Corey Heim, Jake Finch, all with apparent right front tire issues. So, yeah, color yourself fortunate in, in that respect. Let's talk about your weekend as a whole. I know, you know, those other two days were were forgettable, but I thought it was unique what you were trying to do over the weekend, kind of the three-peat. Talk to me about this modified deal. How did this come together for Saturday and for you to run in the Midwest Modifieds Tour? Well, um, you know, Cody Stickler, uh, who actually ended up winning the race, me and him, we grew up, uh, you know, not even five minutes apart from each other. Uh, we've been friends since we were, you know, 13 years old and um, just been friends basically through racing, you know, just have a lot of the same interests. And uh, he's really good in that, in the modifieds. And uh, I love a good challenge. And, you know, it's definitely like a, a deal that we have going between us. He knows I want to beat him real bad. And, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of fun doing it. Um, the guy who owns the car, was, his name's Richie Smith, and he usually drives the car. Um, he's a little bit older, uh, still a heck of a wheelman, but just has really no interest of in running around Winchester. Uh, it's a little bit too fast for him, he thought. So uh, he called me about driving it for him a couple months ago. And, uh, of course, I, you know, I never turn anything down. Um, so uh, definitely was looking forward to that, and it's very unfortunate the way that uh, all that ended up happening with you know they went through two different motors trying to get that car ready to even come over here and um you know that it's not like there's some you know big budget team you know, those are just regular um saturday night short trackers um so for them to put all that work and effort in uh to come out there and try to compete uh you know i really appreciate it and you know just hate it for them guys but uh you know hopefully uh we were talking about for the the derby being able to uh, maybe put something together again and 
might get me back in the seat. And, uh, you know, I told Cody he got lucky that uh, I had motor problems. <laughs> so I think I ought to give, give him a run for the money there. Yeah, it would have been cool to see two Pinellas Park boys going at it in the Modifieds. That would have been awesome. We've had some good times. You know, last year in the Derby, I drove uh, actually the car that he he was driving out um, at Winchester. I drove that 46 for uh, for Doug Moff, and Cody was in, was in his own car. And, um, you know, I led most of that modified race for the Derby last year and ended up, he, he snuck by me on a restart. Uh, I say he jumped it, but he don't <laughs> think so. And, and, uh, and then I ended up running out of gas. So it was it was unfortunate like two laps to go, but I, I always have a lot of fun racing with them guys. They, they put together awesome modifieds, and um, they, like I said, anytime I get to drive anything, I, I'm all, I'm the racer, and you know I race whatever it is. It don't it don't really matter to me. I just enjoy it. Stephen, I got to ask you something about when we were down in Victory Lane. You know, over the last few years, we've talked so much. I've seen the high end of you and the low end of you, but you mentioned that you were a little emotional, and I saw that in your eyes. Was any of that a product over the last couple of years of what you've gone through? You're with Jet. You went back on your own. Now you're back with the guys. Um, did that play any part of it, or, or, or what made what what got to you down there? Because uh, it sure seemed to have an effect on you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's um, it's been a hard last couple, a roller coaster of emotions. You know, and. Um, Definitely the last few months, especially, have been really hard with the, the team changes, the crew chief changes, um, and all that. And I honestly got to a point where, you know, in the middle of this last season here, I just, I don't know, felt like I had lost it in a way. Like I just was doubting myself and um, was getting pretty hard and down on myself. And we've just been, you know, working so hard in the shop. And, you know, my dad's been adamant, you know, he's been stepping up a lot. Uh, taking over like the crew chief role, um, you know, between him and, and Greg James, uh, you know, with Jet Motorsports, those are really like my two crew chiefs. Well, I, my dad uh, stepped up in a big way, and you know, he he told me a while ago when I was struggling and uh, pretty upset about it, you know, just getting real down on myself. Uh, you know, that hard work pays off. And first few times he said it, I'll tell you, I. And but we were just getting beat by Wilson cars every weekend. It felt like, and I kept on running like second or third, and I just couldn't get that win. And um, you know, even the first time he said it, the first couple times I was like, man, I, I don't know. You know, I don't think it. I don't think that works with this. Maybe construction. You know, but um, I feel like we need a little bit extra help. And don't get me wrong, we haven't done it all on our own. We have gotten some help. Some people have um, reached out and wanted to better my program, and I'm super grateful for that. Um, but without my dad and, and the hours that he's been putting in and, you know, him actually pushing me to, um, to want to better myself, you know, and I, I, I won't lie. I'm not really one to give up, but I'm not one. I'm kind of a sore loser in a way too. And when I go for just losing so long, you know, it, it gets really hard on your mental health and um, it's just been tough, you know, so to, to be kind of making my way back to the top, it's an emotional ride. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, even if I continue to win, the next one's going to be just as emotional too, man. We just put so much hard work in it, so many long hours. And uh, I'm just super grateful for the position that I'm in to be doing what I'm doing. And, you know, I just want to make the most of it. You know, this is like a family thing for me. And, you know, to my dad are super involved, my sister. Um, so when, when things plan, pull together like this, you know, I, it's everybody's emotional. So, you know, maybe if we can stay winning regularly, then they'll get less and less emotional. But uh, 
if we keep doing what we were doing before and, you know, one win and then take like four months off and then maybe get one more, then, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be emotional every time. But uh, the more we get back in there, the, the easier it'll, it'll be. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, don't feel bad because that Donnie Wilson's motorsports team been hanging it on everybody this year. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. And they're, they're good, good sports about the team, man. You know, I'll tell you, uh, I had some, some tough races there, like even when, you know, William ended up sneaking by me at, um, at Pensacola there uh, a couple races ago at Five Flags, and he ended up getting the win. Uh, you know, they're, they're great sports about it. Donnie came up to me and told me, you know, don't give up. You know, you're getting close. He knows that I'm frustrated, knows that I'm, you know, working working hard to do it. Um, and for him to come over and, you know, you know, he knew I was getting better and better and better. And, you know, he's a racer. Uh, and, you know, we just want to be the best we can be and, and be competitive at all these races. You mentioned down in Victory Lane when you were talking to Rich, uh, and you mentioned this too, 12, this was your 12th Winchester 400 start, second win, sixth top five, eighth top ten in those 12 appearances and laps led. We'll have to update that afterwards, but most of that came from your 2019 showing. But you said, I love this event. I just love the Winchester 400. I love this racetrack. What is it about it? Uh, obviously, success plays into that, but uh, you've had some not-so-successful days there as well. So what is it about that race? What is it about that racetrack that you love so much? Well, I think that at the end of the day, it, it takes some real heart to be able to drive around Winchester, uh, especially if there's, uh, like like I said on, my, um, on last year's uh, Winchester, how we had those bad vibrations with the tires coming apart. I mean, that takes a real race car driver, in my opinion, to be able to kind of shut out all those problems and, and just nut up and drive the thing, yeah. you know. And um, it, it seems to come down to that at the, end of the, at the end of the race when you're slipping and sliding. It's just whoever whoever's willing to stay in it harder and longer, that's who's going to get that spot. Um, they've, there's just been so many good races throughout the years at Winchester. And then uh, I don't know what it is, you know, about just – when you get over there and you get that pizza king and you're out there hanging out with all the people in the part in the parking lot and uh, just the fans, um, and then you got just a, a badass racetrack, man. Yeah. It's um, there's nothing there's nothing better than that. You know, you couldn't ask for much more. Uh, it it it'll always be a top race to me. Uh, you know, Charlie and, and all the people running the racetrack uh, can't thank them enough. They do they do an amazing job and you know i want to continue to see that place stay open for you know as long as i stay in racing um because it, it definitely is a special place to race and i gotta say it felt like one of the most fun winchester 400 weekends in quite some time too they did a great job with the, the whole atmosphere of everything i want to look ahead a little for bit sure. uh steven as we uh, get ready to wrap up our interview with you two-time winchester 400 champion we look ahead two weeks to the All-American 400 at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. You have got it done there during the All-American 100 in the pro late model side of things, but something always creeps up on you on the All-American 400 side of things. Uh, six starts headed into the weekend, two top fives, three top tens, and uh, over 200 laps led in this race. What is it going to take for you to get down to victory lane at the end of 300 laps in Nashville? You know, it's, it's almost like it plays out like um, Winchester, just being a survival deal. Um, you know, 300 laps is a long race around any track, but then you take in what you're racing on at Nashville being a, a big half mile high bank and, you know, coming off a four is a little bit more of a flat exit, uh, makes you wear out the right rear pretty quick. And then, you know, coming off a two, it's got that huge bump that you fall into. So, uh, you can find yourself in trouble real quick, 
um, tearing equipment up. So, uh, yes, we're going to be able to, we're going to keep the fenders on the thing. Um, and most of all, the maintenance on the car is, is one of the most important things. We got to get back to the shop here, um, get through these race cars and make sure all of our, um, you know, T's are crossed and I's are dotted and, you know, we're, we're ready to go for, for the weekend. Cause you know, you can't have a bunch of little mistakes and, and we tried to ruin our, our, our Winchester 400 weekend by, you know, um, not properly, you know, we should have had that spindle change when we got to the racetrack that the rear end should have been, should have been right. But, um, you know, we're only human and it's easy to make mistakes. And we kind of found ourselves rushing the last few days, trying to get the car together just on our own personal fault. Um, you know, so we just gotta, can't have that happen. The car has to be, you know, a hundred percent ready to go. And, and then the rest of the things I think will fall into place. And Stephen, I think if you're over over the course of a couple of weeks, if you turn into a rifle toting guitar picking dude, man, that's gonna give you that's gonna that's gonna give you a lot of confidence going into the snowball derby, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, um, the year that I had been in nineteen when I, I won the four hundred and you know, I was able to win Bristol. Uh, you know, I was actually in contention to win um, you know, the at all American there, me and me and Chandler Smith had got into a race for the lead um late late in the race so uh you know i guess maybe this year can kind of do the same kind of kickoff we won winchester maybe we can go over there and um contend for a win as well best finish at the all-american 400 a third came back in 2020 the race that casey Roderick won uh so uh, you know how to run up front there you know how to win in the pro late model side of things so looking forward to seeing how uh the all-american 400 treats you this year steven man it's always a pleasure you're one of the most down-to-earth drivers uh that you, that you can find in the pits and uh really appreciate you making time to join us tonight and and again congratulations on a winchester 400 win the second one of your career so good luck the rest of the way um i know rich is going to catch up with you down in nashville and then the snowball derby in december man so uh good luck with these crown jewels here to end out the season i appreciate it guys thanks for uh thanks for having me on and you know it feels good to get the second second winchester rifle and hopefully there's uh you know many more to come in my future but uh you know we're gonna be focused on a guitar now and uh you know we'll see y'all in a few weeks well, always a pleasure, man, to get a chance to catch up with Stephen Nassie, 2019 and now 2022 Winchester 400 champion, Rich. And, uh, you know, as I said, one of the most down, down-to-earth down guys you'll ever get a chance to meet. So if you ever get a chance, talk to him. Yep, and I, I'll, what, is about 13 more days, I'll get to see him again, I think. Yeah, so you probably have to have a Bud Light with him, don't you think? Celebrate that win. Well, I, I don't want to jinx him because I think he's going to have his mind on getting that guitar. So, yeah, that's uh, true. Maybe after that, though. Yeah. All right. Well, it's time to move on to the show tonight as we uh, roll through a post-Winchester 400 edition of Horsepower Happenings. Rich, it's that time of the month again, and it's the fun time of the month when we welcome in our Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer, Gary Lindahl. Hello, Jim. You know, I lost my train of thought because you said Bud Light. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, Rich and I, do we do some Bud Light? So, uh Oh wait! A okay, we're doing a quiz. Right? I was, I was, I was hoping that that would get you energized to do the quiz, not not make oh, it daydream. Absolutely got me energized, but, <laughs> but especially when you talk Bud Light, man. Oh man, Michigan anyway Bush though, this is uh, this is kind of one that's fun, and it's really neat that you didn't have an opportunity to see this no, quiz. No, I'm in the dark on this one, so uh, this will be a fun edition. Okay, well, let's get right into it. Question number, and this is quiz number 19. Can you believe that? 19, 19 months Quiz number 19. Wow. Question number one. What was Conan Meyer's nickname? And I'm still in the that, dark. Still in the dark. I, I knew that one without, with, 
I wouldn't even have to look it up. I knew it. Because my, well, my dad took me to watch this guy race. Sometimes you have to throw some of those things out there so you can just maybe. Oh, okay. I recognize that one. You threw him an olive branch on this one, Gary. Wow. Boy, did I ever. You know, a couple, I, actually a few of these, I thought today. But anyway, so question number two. Who turned the fastest lap ever at Toledo Speedway? Now, I feel like this one is going to be, somebody's going to get this one too. This might be. I the, would think so. You're going to get two in a row right now, I think. I am two for two. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, you know. I was there. <laughs> so was I. I announced it. So that gives you a little heads up on the on the time frame. What was you? What were you saying, Zach? What did you think? Oh, I didn't have an. I wouldn't have had an answer. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have had an answer. But I. Well, you said it had to be. Well, and then you stopped. Oh well, no. I was just. I was just saying uh, somebody's going to get this answer. It has to be something that somebody can find. So uh, they're they're going to get it. Oh, absolutely. I would think so anyway. Now, this third question is something that I've always done and always had fun doing in the quiz for all those years. Okay. And this is kind of in your territory a little bit, and that's all I'm going to say, Zach. All right. All right. I'm listening. Question number three. If I said the farmer saw the sneaky snake, but neither one could find the pink panther, who were they, and where were they racing? Oh, man, I know the Pink Panther. I got that one. I got that one. <laughs> well, see? Yes. I gave you a shot, man. I got I got one out of three. Uh, that's not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> uh, and I can tell you where. So, hey, hey, that's almost half of a question. All right. <laughs> it is. But, see, I had to throw a little more in there. So you got to come up with three drivers in the place. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send this one. I'm going to take this, and I'm going to send it to my dad right now because he – is the reason that I know that information. So there you go. Yes, and he probably will know who it is. He will. And I'm down he to will two. do that. And I'm down to two out of three. Oh, all right. <laughs> I got one over Rich Rance. Come on now. <laughs> okay, now we go to uh, going back into my wheelhouse history. Question number four. What was Kenny Fry's favorite number? Nope, I'm out. Two and for four. <laughs> And uh, I, I could give old-timers a little hint. He used to travel with Dick Good. Does that help at all, Rich? In their racing days. The name, I know, yes, but that doesn't help me. Okay. That doesn't help as far as favorite number goes, does it? <laughs> I'll, I'll give so anyway, I'll give, you know, I give you a shot, Zach. I mean, you got yeah. you got a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it you when know. you throw me a bone every once in a while. It makes me feel every a once better. in a while, you know. <laughs> but I think somebody's got a good shot at getting a few of these. I think so too. And and here's the thing too. We had, by the way, we had a discrepancy on the show. Was it two quizzes ago? I think it was Chad Finley said, "Come, on, I don't think so." And you produced. You managed to find the evidence uh, to back up that you had the uh, correct information. So don't doubt yes, Gary Lindahl. He'll prove you're wrong. He'll prove he knows what he's talking about. Well, the funny thing in that is, you know, that is true. Very, You know, I'm not I'm not infallible, obviously. Right. But I did have the proof to back up a lot of these uh, stories. Here, That's awesome. Know? Wow. Cool. Oh, oh, I have photos. And the funny thing is, Jeff Finley actually uh, contacted me, texted me. He goes, Dude, I was three years old. Wow. I remember the guy, but you got me on that one because wow. I never would have thought. <laughs> that, isn't that cool? That's awesome. 
and I, but it I was. can't I can't tell you guys though. <clears throat> I'll give them a hint, and this isn't a huge hint because I don't think anybody's going to know this. But the answer to question number four is my favorite drivers of all times number of all time. My favorite driver, his number. That's what the answer is. Huh. There you go. All right. Now nobody's going to know that. We threw some things out there. Cool. All right, Gary. Well, but hey, not everybody knew Rich's uh, favorite driver was Joey Clutchpedal. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just kidding, Rich. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's the Bud Light. It's the Bud Light conversation, right? That's no, yeah, it is. No, we're drinking Bud Lights Friday. It's already ordered. We are going to drink Bud Lights Friday. <laughs> we got the Flat Rock Toledo banquet, and we'll have fun. Oh, is that right? You guys are going to go uh, have a banquet already, huh? Well, it's oh, an yeah, award absolutely. ceremony. Award ceremony, let's call award it. Award ceremony, not really a banquet, award ceremony. All right, cool, cool. All right, well, where, Gary, they're, where they're serving Bud Light. <laughs> yes. Hey, as long as there's uh, something to keep the wi- the lips wet, that's what matters. So, Gary, that's man, all that matters to me. Appreciate yes. you so much. Thank you for another edition of Gary. Did you know? Quiz number nineteen. Look for the graphic on the Facebook page. Take a swing at the uh, questions if you get them all right. Uh, Rich France will make sure you get a nice little gift basket. Specifically, Rich France is going to task take the task of making that happen for us. So, Gary, appreciate it, sir. Thank you so much. Not a problem. Have a good one. See you Friday, Rich. See you, Gary. All right, Rich, we've reached that point in the season where we look at the calendar and go, um, I don't know. <laughs> crickets, crickets, crickets. <laughs> I don't know that there is anything else coming up except for, uh, you know, silly season stuff. And we're a couple of weeks removed from indoor racing in our area yet. And so, yeah, we're kind of in that in that time frame where there's not a lot happening in and around our area. Of course, you'll head down to Nashville in a couple of weeks for the All-American 400 weekend. I know you're looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll be fun. It'll, we'll see a lot of the same drivers and more, I suspect, uh, that came up to Winchester. And that that's always an event. You don't, you never know who's going to win win that 300-lap race. Um, I think, Zach, the, when we've seen it the last couple of years to the last 25 laps, right? I mean, yeah. it just uh, – I mean, when, when Casey Roderick won – that wasn't a lockdown thing. He, you know, he, he had company with him. So, you know, I, I even talked to Corey Heim this weekend and he said, man, I, I need to get back there because he had that thing won. He was in position to win and he's sitting on pit road and the water pump belt just comes off. And yeah. when does that happen? No, I know. So, so there's so many guys that have been that close to winning that race. Um, you know, even, even Steven said, uh, man, that's one he wants in his bag. All right, well, that's going to do it for another episode of Horsepower Happenings. I want to say uh, thanks to, uh, of course, Stephen Nassi for making time to join us on the show tonight. Thanks to everybody who uh, stopped by and talked to us at the races over the weekend at Winchester. Also want to say thanks to Racing America. It was a lot of fun to work with Mark and and, and Mel and Zach and everybody, uh, Cody and uh, Corey and everybody that was there. Great job to work with them as well as Adam Mackey and, of course, Rich, you down on pit road and, and – for those who missed it, Rich and I got to call a race together. Actually, got to call three or four of them together this weekend. So that was a nice. Yeah, race. that was fun. Yeah, we oh, got to do we, that. And we and we camp a bit. Like I said, we were almost having a reunion. We had Adam Mackey there. Uh, we were hanging out, uh, and Matt Prier was there with the Midwest Modifieds tour. We hung out with Matt for for a few hours uh, on Saturday. So that was fun too. It was yeah, nice so seeing Matt. Good to see everybody. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in to another episode of Horsepower Happenings. Next week, we'll start talking to some champions now. 
series champions, track champions, that sort of thing as we work into the offseason. And we'll keep an eye on silly season stuff as well as uh, we always try to do right here. And we'll talk to you next week, same time, same place. Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.